This is Hope and Health with Doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood. Insights and interviews with a dose of straight talk to help you enjoy optimal health in all areas of life. Welcome to Hope and Health. I'm Dr. Mark Sherwood, and today we're continuing our series on hormones. If you missed earlier episodes of this important series, I highly recommend them. Today's episode is brought to you by our online course, Hormones. Understand and balance your hormones naturally. Just go to Sherwood.tv forward slash hormones to learn more and enroll. This 17-session course is only $19.99 and includes $30 in bonuses, including a discount on hormone-related treatment at our clinic, where we serve patients from around the world. We're going to continue our discussion tonight, but first got to say hi. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight on Hope and Health. So we know that one of the greatest attacks is on the physical health. And if we can get um, away from thinking about it all the time, we tend to get better. So today, like uh, no time that I've lived through, no time that we've been experienced with, people are talking about physical illness. And it's not what we should be talking about. We should be talking about how to get healthy, stay healthy, be healthy. We should be talking about God's health. We should be talking about what God can do in our own life instead of what the devil is doing in the world. We're actually putting more gas in the fire than we are putting the water to the fire and put the fire out. Um, we're going to continue our discussion tonight uh, on hormones, but first we're going to, like we always do, revisit as a foundational piece those seven parts of wellness. And what are those? At the top of the list, we know nutrition comes first. Mm -hmm. And we've been talking day in and day out, or each time we visit with you about the importance of nutrition and what's at the end of your fork. It's very important to make good decisions with those things at the end of your fork because 85% of your long-term outcome is determined by how you eat. So nutrition is imperative that we get it right. The second is sleep. And remember last week we introduced... Uh, or two weeks ago, introduced the Sleepies, uh, brand new product for sleep. So we'll talk a little bit about that again tonight. So we want to remind you how important sleep is. We need six to seven hours uh, minimum, but more likely seven to eight is kind of the window, no matter what your age is. And so work hard to do that and use the Sleepies accordingly because it will help. And we'll talk about a little bit of the ingredients in just a bit. Then there is stress management, which is one of the number one reasons that drives a person to the primary doctor's office is the fact that they are stressed out mm -hmm. and it drives them to do things that they wouldn't normally do in terms of behavior, like extra drugs, extra alcohol, and, you know, even that thing called poor food or comfort eating. So we have to learn to manage stress better or we end up with all kinds of problems like high tension, which is hypertension high blood pressure, we end up with obesity, we end up with type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and the list goes on. And certainly we've got to move more, sit less. I mean, we've spent multiple time talking about that. We live in a sedentary lifestyle, sedentary world, and because of that, we uh, just really become bogged down and we don't circulate well at all. We're just not moving. We're losing muscle tissue and gaining fat tissue by the moment, it seems like, you know. Um, you know, working out in the morning, 15, 20 minutes, high intensity and sitting all day does not cut it. That is, I call, 
active sedentary. So, active you know, sedentary. we got we to think about that. So we need to move more, set less, and we'll revisit this over time, of course. But uh, that would be number four. And the next number is DNA, number five, deoxyribonucleic acid. And that is what is inside the nucleus of your cells. It's all the genetic material that makes you you and makes you unique. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before about how genes have changed 2% in 10,000 years. So we have to learn how to optimize this thing called lifestyle so that we improve or optimize the function of the genes. So we talk about hormones, and we're going to continue that discussion. Now we've been in the middle of this for several weeks now, just kind of picking them off one at a time. And tonight we're going to introduce a brand new one. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. And last but not least is peptides. Peptides mm -hmm. are amino acids that are strung together in chains that are less than 40 amino acids long. When they start to get longer and larger, those peptides become proteins. And proteins are the building blocks of life. There you go. So that covers those seven things. And remember, those seven foundational pillars over the top is the overarching theme of spiritual and emotional wellness. And remember, most people's physical manifestations of disease are rooted in spiritual or emotional brokenness. So there you go. All right. So we're going to continue our discussion on hormones. And as a very brief overview, um, we know that hormones are chemical messengers that are created in the endocrine gland. So think of these chemical messengers once again as... Like Emails, emails, right? And that's an important thing because how many of you out there can relate to a company having emails? How many receive emails? We're coming by emails all the time uh, or text message. But imagine in both cases, emails and or text messages, these ability to send messages and receive messages goes completely out one day. That is synonymous, you know, in a good example way of what happens when we lose hormones. We lose yeah. hormone communication pro uh, processes. And so, Hormones carry signals, and just understand that if we understand the analogy between that and emails, we're going to be in good shape. Yes. Well, and if that email or messaging system gets off, your brain doesn't communicate well with the rest of the endocrine glands. Mm -hmm. So things essentially go haywire. There you go. And there are several important hormones that we've talked about already we're going to introduce a new tonight let's just kind of revisit those eight we're going to talk about throughout the whole process of our teaching series so we've got the hormone cortisol we've got the hormone insulin remember cortisol is the is the stress hormone the fight or flight hormone mm -hmm. insulin is the blood sugar hormone it manages blood sugar too much insulin uh, you've got yourself in a fat storing state mm -hmm. since insulin is a fat storing hormone then there is leptin, the satiety hormone. That's the hormone that signals the brain to say, you are satiated, you can stop eating. There's DHEA, dehydroepiandrostenendione, which we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. There's thyroid, which is the master um, meta metabolic hormone. Then we've got estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And remember, we did a little bit of uh, just a review on those things, of course. And uh, so just remind you, tonight we're going to introduce, we spent the last two sessions talking about thyroid. But tonight we're going to talk about that thing called DHEA. That's right. So tonight's the night. Yeah, tonight's the night for that one. A brand we spent new all one. that time preparing <laughs> yeah. for thinking about edifying our minds on this hormone called DHEA. So what is DHEA? Uh, we kind of would say it's the sex hormone 
producer. So why is it a sex hormone producer? It, well, f- first of all, it's produced in the adrenal glands and the brain that leads to the production of androgens, testosterone, and estrogen. Mm-hmm. These are the male and female sex hormones. DHEA begins to decline, believe it or not, around the age of 20. Mm-hmm. And by age 70, our bodies only make about a quarter percent of the wow. DHEA, dehydroepiandrosinandione, that it is used to. So it's got many, many, many effects on the body. Number one is that it blankets the adrenal response by dampening cortisol. Remember, when cortisol spins out of control, we get stressed out. Your face gets flushed, your body gets tense and tight Mm. because you're ready to fight, flee, or run from that tiger or bear, lion or bear. Your body produces blood sugar. In response to the blood sugar, we've got to keep blood sugar in a certain range. It produces insulin, and insulin is a fat-storing hormone. So it starts to spin the system out of control. Then there's also, it aids in the production of melatonin. DHEA improves hormone balance. So without DHEA, the others are going to be a little bit shaky without their friend. Promotes bone growth. So women out there, getting your DHEA Mm -hmm. optimal can improve bone health and minimize the risk of osteoporosis. It also maintains tissue strength and repair. DHEA is neuroprotective. So think about all those people that have brain disease, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, MS. You might want to have your DHEA looked at. DHEA also improves blood lipids, specifically triglycerides, Mm -hmm. and it improves insulin sensitivity. It's got a direct action on immune cells. And boy, isn't immune health Mm -hmm. important in this climate? It also it promotes the sense of well-being. It acts to improve mood. However, too much DHEA can lead to acne, excess androgens, and even aggression. Mm. So you want to be careful with too much DHEA. It can also lead to excessive amounts of hair growth on the face or the extremities. Hmm. That wouldn't be a good thing if you're a lady. A lady. Just, just saying. Now, keeping in mind that... You know, we talk about the sex steroid hormone producer. Just as a reminder, we know that the hormones are all produced from this molecule called cholesterol. Mm, now, right. cholesterol, just visualize this, that cholesterol conversion to pregnenolone, which is upstream of DHEA, happens in the mitochondria. And from there, the mitochondria, as you remember, is the powerhouse of the cell. From there, it goes outward. And then you get pregnenolone coming downstream to go into either progesterone or this thing called DHEA. So just know they can go kind of either way like that. And also we can have cholesterol producing this idea of cortisol too. So if you can think about it now, cholesterol coming down to make pregnenolone, and then it has a chance to go over to make cortisol, progesterone, or DHEA. So it almost forks off into three areas. And obviously, as we know, when the body is preferentially under stress or under this fight, flight, or, or, or you know, just this stressed out mode, mm-hmm. cortisol is always going to be the preeminent hormone produced. That makes sense. So everything would be shuttled away from these other sex steroid hormones, so even DHEA. So one time, what you can look at is you can see DHEA being low because it's produced in the adrenals along with the cortisol. And if DHEA is bottomed out, 
you know, even as we age, if it gets really, really low, you can say, well, probably there's a lot of cortisol going on, too. So that's why Dr. Michelle talked about it as sort of, uh, I call it kind of the adrenal love blanket, I guess, maybe. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, that's like good. That. That's good. So, right. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, it's just, it's a very important hormone to bring up to balance. If your adrenals are suboptimal, mm -hmm. it will pull down the thyroid. So the adrenal glands and the production of adrenal hormones improve the thyroid function. So mm -hmm. they're really, those two glands are really buddies. There you go. So that's a, a whole lot. So we're building on what we've talked about so far, and that's, that's a lot. So we'll, we will continue this discussion in our, in our next session, of course. Now, as we know, we've talked about this literally every single show. There are these foods that are absolutely inflammatory. And if the inflammatory foods are taken in, well, that tells you, obviously, uh -oh. we're going to have a problem with the ability to even make hormones, right? Period. In the story. And it's even going to be the idea of, of what are we going to do with... Um, the inflammation in general, you know, that it creates, we create this inducement of the immune system. You know, this is a big deal when we start talking about this whole idea of the inducement of the immune system, right? Um, so we're talking about massive, massive amounts of inflammation from this, these particular foods. So they're not foods at all. We'll probably spend a whole show talking about, well, we will at some point, talking about uh, vaccines, the way they work, and how the immune system works. We'll, we'll plan that at some point because I think that's very, very much of a hot topic today. But just know that all these inflammatory foods are going to induce the system from the immune system standpoint to create inflammation. What are those inflammatory foods? At the top of the list has got to be sugars mm -hmm. and artificial sweeteners. So make sure you turn the labels over of that sweetener and check out what's in it. Fried foods, MSG, fillers, other chemicals. Again, you got to check the label. Processed foods, things in a box, mm. a package, sodas, those biggie gulps. Those got to go. Not good for you. Got to go. Excessive amounts of caffeine and alcohol. They Those things just tear up the GI lining, influence a leaky gut, increase inflammation, and take your health down. Mm. Then there's breads and grains. And also, last but not least, yeast, soy, and corn. These things are inflammatory, disease-causing to everyone, young and old, all the time. You heard that all the time. Now, those are the inflammatory foods. Now, we know that there's these things we call anti-inflammatory foods. Let's just think of them as real foods. Let's think of the others as non-foods. These are real foods. Or the other was or never foods. These have always been foods. So we have a never and an always group. Eat with the always group. What are the anti-inflammatory foods? These are quality proteins, organic, grass-fed, and finished, free-range, wild-caught. Those are words you got to think of when you're buying your mm -hmm. proteins. Healthy oils and fats. Think about olive oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut oil, avocados, nuts, and seeds. Low glycemic fruits, all those berries, blackberries, blueberries, boysenberries, cherries, pomegranates mm -hmm. even. The, if there are some apples, oranges, yep. or even semi-ripe bananas that fall in this category. Also, low glycemic, non-root, non-starchy vegetables, those are all the veggies that are above ground. These are anti-inflammatory, non-disease-causing to young and old all the time. All the time. So there you go. We use that word all the time. Now, keep in mind that we have multiple ways to sort of get those foods adjusted. We have plans that are as short as 40 days and maybe as long as 120 days. 
So you can see that we've got a link on the screen for those if you want a, a nice 40-day plan. We call it the reset plan. A lot of people do that. There's a detox there that's last two weeks. We have a pre-structured plan there for you to take you through it with all these anti-inflammatory foods. We do supply all the supplements you need during that period of time, including uh, in the detox, there's uh, 28 packets, and that's sort of translated in 28 different meals. So it's a, a very, very good item that a lot of people get great benefit from. That's 40 days. If you need more time than that, we also have a 120-day plan. So if you're interested in the 40-day plan, sherwood.tv forward slash 40. And if you want the 120-day plan, we do actually do a Zoom webinar, a Zoom uh, call on that one twice a month. So you can go to Sherwood.tv and there's a link there and say, I'm interested in the 120-day health transformation. And of course, that's a little more hands-on. So we explain that in the Zoom call. So there's a lot of things there you can kind of do, but we definitely appreciate your being involved in that and getting your life turned around because learning about hormones and all this stuff does no good unless we get that very first thing called nutrition under control. That's right. Hope and Health is brought to you today by our online course, Hormones. Understand and balance your hormones naturally. Hormones get blamed for various symptoms and they get too much credit as a fix for ailments. Just go to Sherwood.tv forward slash hormones to learn more and enroll. Here are just a few areas we cover in 17 sessions of this comprehensive and practical course. Symptoms and causes of hormone imbalance. Cortisol, the stress management hormone. Thyroid, the metabolism hormone. DHEA, the sex hormone producer. Estrogen, the female sex hormone. Progesterone, the mother hormone. Testosterone, the male sex hormone. And restoring hormone balance. Go to Sherwood.tv forward slash hormones to learn more and enroll. For tonight's perspective, we're going to talk about two uh, kind of confusing things. And one is going to be this idea of righteous anger versus this idea of unrighteous anger. What's the difference and what's an example of one or the other? Uh, we don't need to think that all anger is bad. I will tell you that most recently, I have been a little bit angry about what's going on in the world. Have you been angry a little bit about what's going on in the world? If you're a believer, I hope you're a little angry because what we're seeing is clearly a, a, a dereliction of freedoms, liberties, and we've seen people turn their their backs on God and really deny His existence by the very statements they make and by the actions they take. With that said, there's a passage of Scripture that's one of my favorites, really. Well, I say that a lot, don't I? Uh, the Bible is my favorite. But one of the passages that really paints a good story is a, is a picture of this difference between unrighteous anger, which is not really a good anger to have, versus this idea of righteous anger. How can that be good or whatever? We're going to define that tonight, uh, tonight for you. Um, Luke 19, 45 and 46. Jesus enters the temple, the temple courts, and begin to drive out those who were selling there. He declared to them, it is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Some translation, den of thieves. Well, understand, the thief is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we know here a den of robbers is a den of demons or a den of 
devils. That's kind of what the connotation is. So, you know, Jesus sees this going on, and this, he observed this, and I'm going to use that paraphrase, this den of devils gathering in the temple, and he drove them out. He got angry. He turned over the tables. He made a whip to turn over the tables, and he probably acted like a wild man when he was turning over the tables like that. And I, I find that that's very curious because when you say to people, well, Jesus got angry. You know, they almost look at you like cross-eyed. How could that be? Ha- how could that be possible? He's supposed to be just a pushover, and you're supposed to turn the other cheek and just, well, basically be a sissy. Hmm. Think about that for a moment. Was Jesus a sissy? I don't think so, because he's the toughest man that ever walked the planet of the earth. Right. The bottom line is there is something called righteous anger. Now, the difference can be summarized with this: righteous anger seeks to restore. Okay. I want to stop right there for a moment. Righteous anger seeks to restore. So Jesus was driving out the, the, the robbers, the thieves, the devils that had gotten in there because he wanted to restore God's righteousness. So were people buying the tables? Yes. But he drove the people out because he was trying to restore righteousness. So is it okay to try to drive people out to restore things, to restore them for God's goodness? If we try to restore God's goodness, that is righteous anger. If you see someone that's going against God's um, command and God's laws, it's good to stand up against that because that's restoring God's laws. That's reaffirming God's laws. Now, on the other side of the coin, unrighteous anger is going to seek destruction. In other words, it would be, I'm just going to go turn over tables because I want to destroy the tables. I want to hurt people's lives. So unrighteous anger is really about destroying people's lives. Now, why is that demonic? Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So think destruction is from the enemy. Restoration is from God. Destruction Enemy, restoration, God. So when Jesus is driving the, the thieves out of the, or the, the, the money changers out of the temple, um, he is trying to restore or make right the temple. So I've used this analogy before in, in um, speaking engagements. When we turn over the tables and we recognize what's inside of us, inside of our temple that's destroying us, we're trying to restore righteousness. And that's why I tell people when they're sitting in front of us in the clinic, you know, we need to dry this stuff out of here. Don't let it come in because it's it's destroying the the ability of God to do what he does inside the temple. So this is what Jesus is doing. He's trying to restore righteousness. When you restore righteousness, healing comes back. But when you're bent on destruction, healing is impossible. So we got to think about that. So Jesus wanted to restore God's temple to its original purpose to be a house of prayer, not robbery. So a house of prayer building, not robbery, stealing. You know, he may have been a little bit aggressive. I get that. You know, we don't know. I wasn't there. But he did it to help others and to protect his father's house. Sometimes we have to make a call to be aggressive because we got to protect our father's house. We got to protect our father's house. Are you getting the drift? We have to protect the father's house. If this temple is the father's house, we have a duty to protect this house. It's almost like the Under Armour commercial. We will protect this house. You got to like protect the house. And so you need to be a little aggressive in that. It just doesn't apply just to our physical bodies. It applies to God's principles. When you see God's principles being overran, trampled, made fun of, our job is to step up and honor God and try to restore God's principles 
restore them. Our job is not to go attack people to try to bring destruction in their own lives. Our job is to restore godly function in our world and especially in our own world. So I hope that helps you really understand this because it's a big deal uh, when I talk about you know Jesus getting angry because people tend to go, wow, how could that be possible? But now that you understand the difference between righteous anger, restoration, unrighteous anger, destruction. So next time you're angry, ask yourself the question, am I really bent on restoration? Is that what I'm trying to do? Or am I bent on destruction, which is trying to hurt, wound, or kill somebody else? I think that's the good way to look at it. That's a simple question, right? And a simple answer will tell you simply whether you have righteous anger or unrighteous anger. That's your perspective for tonight. So the question of the day is, what will heaven be like? And I've often asked myself that. Have you asked yourself that? What's heaven going to be like? Oh, yeah. I can't comprehend it. You're like heaven Um, on earth. Ah, thank you, sweetheart. You know, I can't comprehend heaven. You know, uh, I've tried to many times. I've tried to understand as best I can in my own mind, you know, what heaven will be like. I know we hear there's no more tears no more sorrows. Mm. Uh, people that go to heaven don't want to come back to earth. You know, we, we know that heaven is a place of eternal presence with God. You know, there's no need for a sunshine because Jesus is that S-O-N shine. Um, but we as Christians um, have come to realize that paradise, as we call it, is really this heaven being our ultimate destination for eternity. Uh, Paradise is actually mentioned three times in the Bible. Did you know that? Um, It first appears in Luke 23, 43, which says, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. Wow. So we hear this word paradise in that concept. What was happening at the time? This is when Jesus Mm. was dying on the cross. When he was in the middle of death, He was thinking about the person next to him, which was a thief, a robber, a murderer, Mm -hmm. a criminal that really deserved to be there as a consequence or punishment for their crime. They were sentenced to die. Now, we know Jesus was wrongly convicted because he was lied upon. But these people deserved to be there. Not that that was a good place to be, but Jesus had the awareness and presence and thought of heaven even in the middle of the death process. So he was down on the cross. He was between these two thieves. One thief said to him, Lord, remember we remember remember we when thou come into thy kingdom. And then Jesus returned and said the, the previous verse that Dr. Michelle said in verse 43 of chapter 23 of Luke, you know, today you with be with me in paradise. You know, this goes back to the whole idea and just go with me on this one, that there has to be some special prayer. Um, close your eyes, repeat to me, count to three, one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. Now you're magically, you know, a, a Christian. Now, I'm not saying that's bad, but the confession of who Jesus is is not a formula. It's a real deal. So the thief just understood who Jesus was. He proclaimed he knew who Jesus was, and that was good enough. So the acknowledgement of understanding who Jesus is and really acknowledging that he is the Son of God, and the thief did that when he said, Lord, 
Remember me when thou come into thy kingdom. So he said, when you get to your kingdom. So he remembered that Jesus was from heaven. So he acknowledged that Jesus was from heaven. So he knew he was going to live again, even though he's going to die. So in that moment, the thief actually confessed with his mouth, believed in his heart, that Jesus came to earth, that he was going to die, and he rose again. I want you to think about that. So it's not a formula. It's an acknowledgement of those things and just understanding that we uh, in life, you know, kind of get what we deserve. Uh, But Jesus made it possible where our sins were not held against us because he died for us. Now, we see the whole passage. I want you to read the the whole passage if you can here, sweetheart, verse 32 through 43, to kind of get a good picture of this whole thing. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Hold on, I want to stop right there. Jesus had nails driven in his wrists and feet, hanging on the cross, suffocating on his own blood, couldn't breathe. They had to sort of hold their legs up against the nail to get air. When when their legs would get tired, they would sag. When their arms would get tired, they'd sag, and they'd lose the ability to breathe. What a horrific death. It was suffocation. But in the middle of that, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So when Jesus was at his worst place in life, he was at his best place to forgive us. So I just find that very profound. So go ahead. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. Mm. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers Mm. also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar, wine vinegar, and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Mm. Two men, same predicament, two perceptions. One could not, would not acknowledge who Mm. Jesus was. The Mm. second one did indeed acknowledge who Jesus is. With that said, they ended up in two different places for eternity. Whatever you believe about heaven and hell, I've heard people say, well, let's don't talk about hell. You know, the bottom line is hell, however you define it, is eternal separation from God. And that's hell. You know, it's like there's a passage of of scripture, I believe it's in Luke chapter 16. It talks about the, um, the, the rich man. And Lazarus, Lazarus ends up going to heaven. The rich man is in hell in agony, mm. and he can see Lazarus and can't go there. And so hell is a place of eternal, not for five years or ten years and not a century, not thousands of years, 
eternal separation from God. So if if God is paradise, if heaven is paradise, and we have the ability to see paradise for eternity, but never can go there, to me, that's the very definition of hell, right? So kind of get that concept as best we can. Now, we can't comprehend heaven. That's just too much. The Bible tells us it's too beautiful to comprehend. We can get a picture of it a little bit in the book of Revelations, if you kind of read through that sometimes. And there's other sort of glimpses of it. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about being uh, taken up into the third heaven or a different reality. But the bottom line is, uh, heaven is eternal. Um, Hell is eternal. Uh, Heaven, presence with God's eternal. Hell, separation from God's eternal. And that's kind of what you need to know. And can we deserve to go to heaven? No. Uh, But Jesus made a way because of this passage of Scripture right here. And we see all we have to do to be with the Lord in paradise is exactly what the thief did. We have to, A, acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is. B, believe that he's the Son of God, that he came to this earth, that he died and rose again. And C, we have to confess our sins, right? And C, we see the confession of the sins right here in this passage, too, because the thief says, and I quote, um, don't you fear God since you are in the same sentence. We are punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. This man's done nothing wrong. So the, the thief was acknowledging his sins, acknowledging who Jesus was. So we really admit we're a sinner, believe Jesus came for us, and that, that he rose again. And when we confess our sins before him, we are forgiven. So that's the ABCs, if you will, of the salvation or the the ability to uh, be assured of a place in paradise with Jesus, just as this thief. So uh, we will be with the thief one day, the, this this person who was on the cross with Jesus, and we'll find out his name, I'm sure, at, at some point in time. But his name's not mentioned because his name's really all of us. We all are kind of right there on that cross. That's really what that symbolizes. Um, so there's a, there's a couple things here. I want to say this because, you know, as we close, Heaven um, has been around since the beginning. It always has, it always will. I, I gave up trying to figure out anything uh, about it when when God came to be. You know, he He just is and always was. That's kind of how you kind of look at it, you know. And uh, my mind can't grasp all the details of eternity. And, and frankly, I take comfort in knowing that if I live by God's direction mm-hmm. according to His His mm-hmm. will and His plan in my life, His words, His commandment, um, and do the best I can do, I, I believe, most importantly, trusting Him as my personal Lord and Savior, that heaven will be my home, or paradise will be my home for eternity. Um, Genesis 1-1 sort of gives us an indication of how long heaven's been around. Yes, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. Mm -hmm. That's what he calls himself. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. So if Jesus and and was with God at the beginning, and that's um, John chapter 1, we we understand that this whole idea of God always has been. So God was uh, all time. God is time. Mm -hmm. And so to understand the the, the, the concept of heaven is literally impossible. There's just no way. Um, but I'm glad that we have an awareness of it. I'm glad we know about it. One day we'll experience it. But we're not there yet. 
because we're right here with you on Hope and Health TV. But one day we'll all be there together. One day. So our encouragement for you, our deepest, most heartfelt encouragement is in your own time, seek the heart of God to know him. May he reveal heaven to you in a way that you understand. And heaven can be whatever you conceive it to be. It's always going to be more. But the bottom line is to know God is to know love. To know love is to know God. And when we know God, we have a concept of what paradise is like. Back to our original question, I have no idea what heaven is going to be like. No idea. I can speculate all day, but I think the main thing is let's just make sure we get there. (laughs) Let's just make sure we're there. All right. So we look forward to seeing you next week on Hope and Health. Yes. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. The name of this podcast is Hope and Health for a Reason. With simple, consistent changes, you'd be amazed at the results we see in patients every day. There is hope for you. Give your body the healthy food it was created to enjoy, and it will thank you. The same goes for what you feed your mind. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our newsletter at Sherwood.tv to stay positive in a negative world. And remember to enroll on our hormones course at Sherwood.tv forward slash hormones. It includes a free ebook and a $20 discount on hormone-related treatments. If you don't live near our clinic in Tulsa, that's no problem. We treat patients from around the world. Thank you again for listening. Doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood and their clinic can help you find the hope and health you were created to enjoy. Go to Sherwood.tv for clear, proven ways you can be healthier. Subscribe at Sherwood.tv.